today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. The uh, NASA Mars 2020 mission will uh, touch down on the Red Planet later on this week, Thursday, February the 18th. And there is a Canadian connection. Uh, joining us to talk about this is Mary Schmidt, who is a professor of Earth Sciences at Brock University, who is, in fact, uh, involved in the mission. Uh, professor, thank you so much for the time. Great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. Uh, how does somebody from Brock University get involved in this? Uh, I know an awful lot of people applied uh, to be on the team here, uh, and of course uh, the supporting of the Canadian Space Agency, but 119 applicants, 13 uh, are involved in this, and you're one of them. How'd that happen? I put in an application. <laughs> well, part of it is that I have experience, right? That I've uh, This is my third rover mission, and so um, I was able to use that experience in my application for this for this current round. So been there, done that. So you've, uh, you've, that's, a, that's a pretty impressive thing to have on your CV. So obviously that caught people's attention. Uh, what's, what's the purpose of this? this which I, I'm assuming everybody knows this is an unmanned mission, of course. Uh, but a lot of time planning this. And, and obviously the execution is going to be the key part. So talk to us a little bit about what you've been involved in. Okay, so I'm, I'm relatively too, new to the mission. I've only been involved since uh, November, which is okay because the rover only lands on, uh, on Thursday. Um, but the, the big goal of this mission is going to be to uh, explore a place on Mars that we think could potentially be habitable for uh, past life, could have been habitable. And uh, the rover is going to drive around and collect samples that will eventually be returned to Earth. Uh, for those of us who may remember the lunar missions from the late 60s into the early 70s, of course, the, the rovers, etc., is, is it pretty much the same? It's different technology, clearly. Things have been changed considerably. But is that basically what we're going to be seeing and what you're going to be doing? Well, the, the, the rovers on the, on the moon were primarily, uh, they supported uh, manned missions. Yeah. And now these are autonomous rovers. <laughs> Um, meaning that we uh, we actually uh, send commands to them, and they're they're, but they operate independent. There's no humans involved uh, on no. the surface of Mars. No, exactly. I got this a picture of uh, the article I was reading about this. Uh, a picture of exactly what we're going to be talking about here. You're going to be involved in an element. It's it's called with the PIXL, uh, uh, which stands for Planetary Instrument for X-ray uh, lith- Lithochemistry. Lithochemistry, yeah. Lithochemistry. There you go. Okay, well, we know pixels, but not this kind of pixel. Uh, so this is this is basically the instrument you guys are going to be using then. Uh, and this is just like, uh, you know, people that have drones or anything. It's all remote control. It's going to be controlled, and you guys are going to be going all over the place. Now, how do you decide in, in a mission like this? And I know, you, as I say, you've only been involved with the mission for a few months now. Uh, but where on Mars do you land? I mean, obviously, you've got to have some knowledge and some, in, and some information about exactly what's on the planet to, to actually uh, pick a spot and say, yeah, that's, that's where we want to explore now. Well, the, this has been uh, the culmination of many years of research mm-hmm. <laughs> to be able to pick a site. And so there are several uh, uh, orbiters that are, you know, circling Mars and taking images of the surface. And so we can get an idea about the the um, shape of the landscape, so the morphology, as well as the mineralogy. And uh, from that, we can sort of pinpoint some place that looks like it could be uh, a good target. And so where we've selected is called Jezero Crater. And this is a, a really interesting place because it has a a channel that feeds into this large crater. So this crater is about 30 kilometers across. So there's a channel that feeds into it. 
And then we can see that there was um, that uh, where this channel fed into this crater, that there's a platform um, that is like a delta deposit, which is something that, that forms at the mouths of rivers. Like think about the Louisiana Delta okay, where yeah. the Mississippi River opens up into the Gulf of Mexico. So, so we see this, this feature where, uh, and, and, uh, so this is really good evidence that there was once standing water in this lake. I mean, in this, in this crater. Mm-hmm. And it was once a lake and, uh, it allowed this, del- this delta to build up. So this delta is going to include sediments that, uh, came in from that channel. But also there's going to be, uh, sediments that, that rain down from the lake itself. Um, and possibly some sort of um, other set of other uh, things that could potentially come from springs into the um, lake itself. Why the fascination with Mars? I mean, we, we, we're spending an awful lot of time exploring that and have for the number of years. Uh, is it, is it, are there similarities between our planet and that planet that we see, or are, are we trying to draw those connections? Mars is the most like Earth of any of our, the planets okay. in our solar system. So if if we're going to look for some place else where life could have taken hold, it's the most likely candidate. You know, Venus is way too hot, so there's no there's no way that anyone could live there. I mean, that anything could could ever exist uh, there. And now uh, Mars, it looks like early on in the Mars history, when it had more of an atmosphere, it was a little bit warmer. Um, liquid water was once present on the surface of Mars, and so. Uh, you know, if we go back in time by looking through the the rock record, we can possibly look for a place where life, another place in our solar system where life could have taken hold. Uh, but doesn't exist now. I mean, have, have we closed the book on that? Because there's always been this discussion about uh, is there life in any form on, on well, that planet in particular, in the red planet. And it's been, uh, it's been the focus, of course, of, of myths and legends for many, many centuries, I guess, really, uh, about what may happen on there. It's, is this a planet that once was a lot like us and, is, is, and it's just evolved into this now? Or can it sustain any kind of life? Or There's so many questions yet unanswered, well, I guess. I d- yeah, I don't think that life is possible today. Um, but in the past, when it was um, when the surface of Mars was warmer and wetter, um, so Mars is a smaller planet than Earth, and so it has less of a pull of gravity to it, mm-hmm. and so it's lost its atmosphere over time. So it's not able to hold on to its atmosphere. But early on, when it had a, a, real, a nice thicker atmosphere, it uh, the pressures were greater at the surface and liquid water could have been present or was so, present so that was then this is now uh, yeah, what, yeah. now when you when you have the pixel running around up there what are you going to be looking for i mean obviously it's going to do this collection uh is there an expectation of, of what you're going to find there or uh, is is there a possibility that you could be shocked and surprised by what you find I think we will be surprised by what we find. So we, you know, we do our homework ahead of time, but we're always surprised by what we actually see. Um, this this instrument, what's cool about it is that it it, uh, it looks for micro scale variability in chemistry. So what I mean by that is it looks at the surface of the rock, and it takes um, the composition of a little tiny spot of the rock, so 100 microns across. But what's neat about it is that it can make a, uh, a grid, so we have a combination of a lot of different spots, 
Um, it could do a grid or a line. And from that, we can tell how the elements change with, with distance. So we can use that to interpret what the rock is made of, uh, what the chemistry is, what the mineralogy is. And the hope is that we can use that to sort of feed into interpreting what the conditions were like when that rover was, when, sorry, when that rock was formed and uh, when it was altered by water. The fascination with this is just incredible here, and you're you're kind of on the cutting edge with this whole thing. I mean, because you're you're in the exploratory end of science where you're discovering things, this, uh, and which may or may not substantiate what we already know about this. So that could be something brand new, some uh, an expectation that hey, we never saw that before. Uh, one of those aha moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are those are the best <laughs> when you see something that's totally unexpected. So what's the process now? We mentioned it's going to touch down uh, this Thursday. Uh, it's taken a while to get there, of course. Uh, how mm-hmm. long is it going to be, how, how, how long is it going to be, quote, unquote, working up there on the surface? Uh, it's going to, you know, the, the Curiosity rover has been active for uh, almost 10 years. So I expect that this rover will continue for about that, the same duration. So it's going to be continually looking. Is it going to stay mm-hmm. in the same general area or is it uh, going to go wandering? It's going to go wandering. So, <laughs> so at first it's going to explore Jezero Crater. It's going to collect some samples there. And then after one Martian year, which is the equivalent of about two, Mars, uh, two Earth years, it's going to exit Jezero, and then it's going to explore uh, the area around Jezero Crater. So it's going to be up and about, but it'll say the same general area quadrant anyway. Mm-hmm. So, but it's a it's a pretty wide area though, as you mentioned, uh, that you're yeah. going to be exploring there. Now, what else is going to be happening? You're you're looking at obviously, you know, the 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 construct of, of the the materials, the rock, and as you say, the, the the geology, I guess, of what's going on. Is that the singular purpose of this particular rover, or are other things going to be going on too? Oh, there's yeah, there's lots of other things going on. Um, so there's some things that are you know NASA sends. Uh, this rover up there to sort of test technology as well. So for one thing that it's testing is a uh, a little helicopter. It's called the Ingenuity Helicopter, and it's going to deploy that within the first couple months of this rover being on on Mars. And it's basically a proof of concept um, to to demonstrate that we can have a, a little independent uh, you know rotorcraft operating on the surface of Mars. And the idea, be, the the reason why we want to have this up there is to demonstrate that it's possible and might be able to support human exploration in the future. Which is the end game, um, I guess, isn't it? At some point, I mean, I, I'm, I'm basing all this yeah. based on, of course, the Matt Damon movie, uh, but The Martian. But no, I'm just being facetious. But you know, is there an expectation at some time? Because I've always talked about colonization and things of that nature. Is 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 that part of the end game here, years and years down the road? Oh, yeah. Yeah. NASA wants to send humans to Mars. Uh, lots of other countries do, too. So um, I think that's, yeah, if we ever want to um, move beyond Earth, Mars is the next logical step. But uh, it's a bit of a distance. Okay, yeah, you better, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you better pack light. Uh, but, but are we looking to see if, uh, obviously, the, the atmosphere is different, and as you mentioned, uh, life as we understand it, on this planet anyway, is probably not a possibility. So uh, uh, what's the, is, the, is the end game here to, to try to develop or, uh, you know, to adapt ourselves to what they have, or is simply are we going to build up, are we going to build underground? Or, uh, uh, where do we go on a planet like that? 
I yeah, I well, I'm a scientist. I'm not uh, one of those dreamers that figures something <laughs> like that. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I think there's a lot of possibilities. I've seen um, I've seen uh, ideas that suggest that you know there'd be like these little domes that would be constructed yeah. where people could live in, such as like what Matt Damon lived in the, on the Martian, but um, <laughs> possibly also living underground. Which is another movie. That was the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. But anyway, yeah. that, I, that's art, art imitating. It's not even imitating life. It's, it's trying to decide what life is going to be. What I find fascinating about this is you're, you're going to get this information back uh, in real time, of course, as, as they do the analysis here. Uh, but you're not going to actually have hands-on. I mean, again, to go back to the lunar uh, possibilities here, uh, you know, the astronauts that did those lunar landings and did the exploration, uh, they brought samples back with them, of course. Uh, I know the end game here, ultimately, those rocks are going to make, or some of the stuff that you pick up is going to make their way back, uh, but not for a while, I understand. Yeah, not until the 2030s. Yeah, uh, I think the the date I saw was twenty thirty four or something like that. So you yeah, have to be patient, yeah. uh, but but that will happen. And, and will will you have had everything you need to find out about those from the data that you're going to obtain over the next couple of weeks or months uh, here, or is there something to have hands on it? Does that give you a whole different perspective? Well, it's yeah, it's going to be um, once those samples are returned, there it's going to be awesome. So we're going to be able to see those samples in person um, and uh, be able to analyze them, analyze the very micro details. So looking at, you know, teeny tiny spots on Mars. So the, the, um, the pixel instrument gives you, you know, 100 micron resolution. Whereas if we go on, bring these samples back on Earth, we can start to look at single micron uh, scale vari- variations, which is going to be very, very cool. And that can tell us so much about um, about whether or not uh, life could have existed or what the conditions would have been like. Um, the reason being that that uh, that uh, these microorganisms are, are would have been super super tiny. <laughs> so if we want to see any indication of them, we have to like be able to see them at that fine fine scale. Uh, and that's that's to come, but as you say, that's not for mm-hmm. uh, well till twenty thirty four or something of that nature. Yeah, it's fascinating. I mean, the pixel sounds like it's, it's just incredible. Uh, but I understand that when you get to that stage where, okay, it's time to, to send these things back to Earth, uh, that's going to be a different mission altogether, isn't it? In other words, it'll be, have to be another craft that has to go to Mars, pick that stuff up, and then come back to, to Earth. It'll be three separate missions. Okay. <laughs> so there's going to be a, uh, there, there'll be one, uh, there'll be a rover that will go and retrieve those samples. And then they will, the, the rover will deliver those samples to a, uh, some sort of a launcher that will then launch it into orbit and then there'll be another mission that will come in and collect those samples from the Martian uh, from Martian orbit so this is this is very intricate and, and you're well you're yeah. in it for the long run clearly I mean because this is going to take an awful lot of time but uh, you, you must be excited I mean you're just a couple of days away from the, the touchdown and, and and the beginning of this process and as I say you've already got some data on this but this is this is this is kind of like your Super Bowl isn't it oh yeah yeah <laughs> they don't land on Mars very often so uh, yeah it's very exciting 
Uh, it's got to be, and, and obviously we'll look forward to, to getting some of the information about this and uh, some of the revelations that are going to be happening on this. Uh, it, it, it's just the culmination. I, I mean, you've been doing this for a long time. Obviously, there's a fascination uh, with the Red Planet that all of us seem to share, but to actually start getting some data about this and uh, get a better understanding of this. Uh, when we do things like this, and, and this is, as we said, the Martian uh, expedition that's going to be happening, uh, do we? You mentioned about Venus and some of the other planets too. Uh, are those sorts of operations happening in the, in the other planets in the solar system as well, or are we focusing right on Mars for the time being? There's a there's a lot of interest in Mars, but there are other exciting missions that are being planned to go to Europa as well as Titan. So, so the planets, um, sorry, not the planets, the moons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Europa is around Jupiter, and Titan is around Saturn, and they they both are really exciting, promising places to target. Uh, fascinating stuff. Uh, congratulations on, on everything you've done on this so far, anyway. And uh, I know that you're well, you. really really looking forward to the data that you're going to be getting. It's going to be a, a fabulous exercise uh, over the next little while. And thanks so much for spending some time with us today. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Take care. That's uh, Mary Eck Schmidt, Professor of Earth Sciences at Brock University, part of the uh, NASA Mars 2020 mission that will be landing uh, on the Red Planet, uh, well, this Thursday. And uh, she's got a lot of work yet to do, of course, as they start collecting data there. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.